I can do is laugh after that. We're going to have fun with this, everybody. Welcome to my church, uh, week number three of At The Movies, where we're pulling some, some biblical stuff, some biblical truths out of some movies. How many of you guys have ever seen Christmas with the Cranks? All right, a lot of you guys. If you've not seen it, you've got you to gotta go see it. It's, it's, uh, it's a Christmas classic, almost, kind of, sort of, but it's a lot of fun, so you definitely should see it. It's basically this movie where the daughter goes out of town, they change their plans, decide not to do Christmas, uh, all, all, it rocks the neighborhood. It, it rocks the little, the, the, the street that they live on because they're all so engaged and what goes on and they pull the plug on decorating for Christmas and then she decides she's coming back and they rechange everything and they all get aggravated with each other. The husband, uh, is kind of a jerk to everybody. So mom's mad at him. All the neighbors are mad at him. And so I thought it would be a great time of the year. For us to talk about how to deal with really difficult, complicated, cranky, crank-style people. So, in honor of that, in light of that, lean over to your neighbor and say, I'm so happy to have you in church today. All right, everybody do that for me real quick. Now, lean over to the person who was your second choice and tell them this message is going to be for you, okay? (laughs) All right, all right. Alright, so today we are talking about how to deal with difficult people. Because in this world, we have those kind of complications. Have you ever noticed, have you ever thought about how many different slices of personalities there are out there? I mean, you know, I've got my personality, but then I've got my personality that's on mood, that's uh, that's got stuff going on in my life, and then there's shifts in that, right? So you talk about you talk about all the different slices of personalities. You weigh in this time of the year, where it's a rat race to get gifts, and people are cutting you off, trying to get the last minute stuff, and roads are extra crowded, things are busier. Then you just weigh in your normal jobs. We got a guy in our church that he uh, he owns several FedEx routes. Um, and, and he has told us just the most hilarious, crazy, and sad stories I've ever heard of what goes on as he delivers and they deliver packages and pick up stuff. And it's, it's just like, it's madness. It's crazy. So we're going to look at, uh, what it really, what we're really supposed to be doing, uh, when it comes to dealing with people who are difficult. And let me just go ahead and say, if, you are that person this morning and you think that everybody else is the difficult person, we're just going to like, shh, we're not going to tell you that you're probably one of the most difficult people, okay? So buckle up. We're going to have some fun with this today. I'm going to jump right in and give you sort of our foundational verse today. It's found in 2 Timothy. If you got a, got a Bible this morning, bust that out. Uh, it's going to be like probably almost three quarters of the way through the Bible. So just start there if you're new to Bible study. Look for 2 Timothy. It's the one that has the two in front of it. And um, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll start there. Uh, we've also got some message notes today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through some stuff that we pulled from Scripture to really help us learn how do we handle complicated, difficult people during some crazy times. And also in the backdrop of that understanding that all, oftentimes it's us who's that complicated, difficult person. All right, so 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, let me do this. Let me pause for just a second. Let me just pray for today. 
Because I just have a sneaky suspicion that some of you came in today giving God and His church one last chance. Um, and you've also potentially got somebody in your life right now that you've got some real hurt and some brokenness with that might be that complicated relationship right now. So let's just pray. God, I pray right now for those of us who really, really uh, kind of have, have a couple bruises that we carry today with some hurt um, from relationships. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just speak into our hearts, speak into our lives some truth from your word. God, let us acknowledge some things about ourselves today and acknowledge some things about you today. And God, I pray you'd guide us to truth, guide us to you, and help, our, help us find our way back to you, God, in this conversation today, that we would leverage your hope, your strength, your grace, your forgiveness, not only in our life, but that we could pass it on to others as well. So God, in your name we pray, Jesus' name, amen. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, here we go. Again, I say, and let me just back up as I start the verse, this is Paul, who's the head honcho lead guy back then, passing on some really important truths to his young pupil, if you will, young man he's teaching named Timothy. So Paul's telling Timothy how to handle difficult people. He says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only starts fights. Wow. Wow, right out of the gate. Booyah, right there it is, right? Don't do it. He says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. All right, it's getting a little heavy. We're starting to breathe and unbuckle our shirts and our belts a little bit because you're going like, wow, that's kind of a tough pill to swallow right there. Be kind to everyone. Because these only start fights, so you got to be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with, and there's our word today, with who? Difficult people. Because God knew that we would run up against difficult people. We'd run up against ourselves who are oftentimes difficult people. And so he's teaching us. Paul's trying to pass on and teach young Timothy how to handle himself and why it's valuable, why it's important for us to respond and react and think about others and ourselves a certain way. So he says, hey, gently instruct those who oppose truth. Right? Be gentle about it. Don't be ugly. Be gentle about it. Be slow. Be gentle to those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change their hearts. The key word is God will change their hearts. I'm just going to go ahead and say that clearly for all the wives right now who I've seen already today nudge their husbands. Okay, God will change their hearts. Not you forcibly doing that. I'm just helping you out. That's just the mood I'm in today, helping you out with marriage. All right, God will change people's hearts and they will learn the truth. And they will, they, will, they will come to hear, they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So, big picture perspective from this verse. We're going to have difficult people that we're going to deal with in life. It is just, it's a fact it's going to happen. There's going to be seasons. There's going to be days. There's going to be hours. There's going to be moments where you are, you are confronted with a situation, a problem, a personality, and you're going to have to deal with it. 
And here's the truth of the matter. We, we always have a choice of how we are going to deal with complicated, cranky problems and personalities. We have a choice. It's an opportunity that we get to have to choose in advance how we're going to react. So, let me, let me first, before I dive in how our reactions could be and what we're going to see biblically, let's just ask the question, why is there difficult people? I think that's probably a good, good question to actually start with. Let me, give you, let me give you scripture for why there's difficult people. It's found in Romans 3.23. All right, it's a verse we should all know. We all fall into this category. It says this, for all have sinned and done what? Fallen short of God's glory, which means all of us. There's not one single person in this room, in this city, on this planet, who has not fallen short of God's perfection, God's glory, God being sinless and perfect. We have all fallen short of that. Therefore, that means we're all those difficult people. We're all those personalities. We, we wear all the flaws and the difficulties from not our birth, from like the birth of like mankind itself. Adam and Eve came into this world. They blew it. They started the sin ball rolling. We picked it up gladly with a smile because we're just fallen, sinful creations. And we're expected to live together. Right? And it's complicated. But here's the coolest thing of all this conversation. I mean, Scripture says, in this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. That's Jesus saying, hey, you're going to have problems. And they're going to come predominantly through one way, relationships. Because I've wired you relationally. Right? God wired us for relationships. He put men and women in the garden together. He knew that they would not be able to function perfectly together. One is a man, one is a woman. There you go. Right? That's like instant gas and oil. Right? He knew what he was doing. He knew that long ago that we would have to lean into him for help, for hope, for everything. So this whole conversation, the genius of this is God knew that we would deal with difficult people and it would, it would force us to have to go to him, which that's what he wants. He applauds us when we run out of ourselves and realize our need for him. And he did that in relationships. So why difficult people? We've all fallen. We live in a fallen world. And we're intrinsically wired to be relational. So there's, there's where we get the complications. We have difficult people because we live in a fallen world and we're wired relationally to connect with each other. So, I've made, uh, actually I stole, they're going to say I made it, but I stole a really cool, I think sort of funny, list of complicated kinds of people. Alright, you may find yourself as one of these, I've found myself at one time or another as all of these. Alright, so some different, ki different kinds of difficult people out there. Uh, the first one I want to tell you about is called the hammer. They show up and they drop the hammer on everybody. Right? You may know this kind of person. They're, they're aggressive. They're always aggressive. They're always harsh. They're always hostile. They're always saying basically, essentially what everything that comes out of their mouth is, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to intimidate you to do what I want done. Don't point. Don't raise your hands. But we know you are here today. Okay? I know you're here today. All right? I just know you're in this room. So 
just happy to have you today, all right? You're the, you're the hammer, all right? We got hammers. There's hammers. And God put on this planet hammers, and you serve good purposes at times. And at times, you don't serve good purposes, right? That's when you're the hammer, and you're the wrong side of the hammer that day, right? So the hammer. The other one's the megaphone, all right? They can talk loud. They can talk quiet, but they just talk a lot. The megaphone. They just keep talking, and they keep talking. They go on and on and on and on. And in fact, they will talk you into submission like a wrestling hold. They will talk so long, talk you in circles until you just go, okay, you win. I give up. Right? Do you know this person? The megaphone. There's a third one called the bubble buster. It's all bad. It's all bad. Everything's bad. It's terrible. I know you think it's good news, but it's about to change. They're down on everything. You tell them, man, your kid had an incredible soccer game yesterday. Yeah, but they're really not that great of an athlete. You know, they're just going to, I mean, no matter what the positive could be in that moment, they're going to bust the bubble, right? They're the bubble busters. The third is the volcano. Self-explanatory. They show up, they erupt, right? They spew. The volcano just erupted, right? They show up, they spew hot lava on everything, and they just, they just explode on everything and everyone around them. Then my, one of my favorites, I love this, is the clam. The clam. They just quietly acknowledge what you say, and they just look the other way. And they're going to they're gonna submit you by the cold shoulder, right? They may be quiet. They may turn their back. They may not communicate back to you. They may give you the silent treatment. But they're going to eventually submit you to their will by the silent treatment. You know the clam? You know the clam? They just clam up. They just clam up. Whoop. Yep, clam. Then one of my personal favorites, the nitpicker. Not the nose picker, right? Thank you for Richard Moore who laughed. Um, the nitpicker. Always nitpicking. Nit, nit, nitpicking everything. Nitpicking the smallest and dumbest of things. They're, they're highly critical. They find something wrong in the stupidest things. And they always love pointing out people's flaws and their mistakes. They're unreasonably perfectionistic. They just nitpick. They just nitpick. They just keep nitpicking until you just want to like... I'm slitting my wrist now. Thank you very much. I feel terrible. Thank you for nitpicking and showing me all of my flaws. Okay? Then you have the crybaby. The crybaby. You know? I heard one. This cry. They just whine and they cry. And it's just, this is just chronic complaining. Until they get control. Right? That's what crybabies do. They, they, they weasel around and they whine and they cry to you, ultimately get you to do what they want you to do. It's crybaby. Then, the last but not least, the garbage collector. They collect all the trash. They collect it and they collect it and they collect it. They hang on to it. And then months, maybe years, maybe decades later, you remember back in 1987, you ate the last piece of toast, and I'm wounded, 
Okay, I'm wounded, right? They bring up they bring up stuff that you're like, are you kidding me? Like we're talking about this, you're talking about toast? Come on, right? That's the garbage collector. And you're like, whoa, you've been carrying that a while? Yeah, a long while. And I'm I'm bruised up for it, and you need to know this. Kind of where they, they do it, and it's like, man, this 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 place starting to stink. Right? It's stinking it up because they're carrying the trash around. That's the garbage collector. All right, so here's the thing. Um we we all see life differently, right? We've all we've all walked our roads, and we're a lot of us are products because of our environments, right? We've had experiences, we've had we've had we've dealt with stuff, and all of us see life differently. And we see life through the lens of our struggle, we see life through the lens of our hurt, we see life through the lens of our loss, we see we see life through the lens of our fears, right? We respond out of our fears oftentimes. What people sometimes get from us is fear. What people sometimes get from us is pride. A lot of us, we flip-flop back and forth. Fear, pride, fear, pride. I feel great. I'm going to, you know, go the pride route because I feel like I want to be large and in charge. I'm going to drop the hammer because I feel like I'm the man. And then you flip-flop and you're over here and you're, you're dealing with fear and whatever. And so we see life differently. So, so... We've got to decide um, how we're going to respond in advance. How are we going to respond to all the varieties of personalities and people who carry different things, us carry different, carrying different things? How do we respond? What should we do? Here's three things in your notes. We can either choose to curse it. I mean, we can get angry. We can drop down on their level. We can, we can get all up in that. Oh, you gave me a look. I'm going to give you a look back, right? We can choose to curse it. Or we can choose to nurse it. We can, we can get up in that and we can wallow around in it and it can affect us and it can make us feel terrible. We can have a lousy day because we just, we, we, did, we didn't curse it, we just nursed it. We just stayed right in it. We let it, we let it, we let it mess us up. Or we can reverse it. We can nurse it. We can, we can curse it. We can nurse it. Or we can reverse it. I just made that wrap up on the fly. They call me um, Jazzy J, rapper. Okay, so here's the biblical response. So, what do we do? How do we respond? What's what? What is what? What's our mindset, and how do we literally respond to those complications, that type of difficulty, that style of personality, that issue, that hurt? As we are flawed ourselves, how do we handle it? So. Here's a biblical response that I see in Scripture. First is this, in your notes. Realize that you cannot please everyone. And as I say that, I'm like, we all mentally know that. Everybody knows that. Everybody realizes that we can't please everyone. But that is much harder to do than reality. Because we're wired... For relationships, it's easier for us to want to lean into trying to please this person rather than ultimately our greatest goal is to walk with God. God, I'm going to live for an audience of one. I'm not going to try to be all things to everyone else. I'm going to be what you've called me to be and I'm going to live my life for you. And if we can pursue God in that way, what God does for us, He helps us, He strengthens us, we're strong in Him, therefore we can live our lives out helpful and encouraging, not nursing, not cursing, 
the relationships that we are in. So we've got to realize we can't please everyone. Here's, here's the biblical proof of that. Jesus says this in John 5.30. He says, by myself I can do nothing. He's, he's literally acknowledging and modeling what a life would look like giving time and attention to an authority. His, he's talking, Jesus is talking as a son to a father. He says, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but the one who sent me. He's, he's just paying respect to God. He's saying, hey, I, I can't do anything apart from God. I need God. I, I'm, I'm Jesus, but man, I'm going to model to the human race our need for help, a helper. And that's what God wants to be in for us for in these relationships that we have, a helper for us. So realize you cannot please everyone. Second is this. Refuse to play the game. In advance, decide every day that you're not going to get tricked, sucked in, or take the hook of playing the game and go in there and get in the midst of that. Refuse to play the game. John goes on to say, but Jesus didn't trust them. Jesus has, like, just unbelievable perspective. He knows all things. He, he, he understands people. He understands relationships. Jesus understood the people he was dealing with. And because he did, he knew about people. He understood people. He created us. He knows about people. So what I understand about this is God wants us to have perspective acknowledging. We live in a fallen world. We're a fallen people. I'm a fallen person. Therefore, I have to treat people as such. Let's have perspective in advance. Understand that we live in a fallen world. Let's give what God gave us. Let's give grace. Let's realize we can't please everyone. Let's refuse to dive in there and play the game. This happens at work, right? This, this happens in our homes. This happens on Facebook, right? We have an opportunity to let it go. We have a, re, a, a responsibility to not have to respond. Right? We can let it go, we can ignore it, we can refuse to go there and play the game. Third thing is this, if you're a Falcons fan, you'll love it. Rise above it. Rise above it. We have a choice. How, to, how are we going to deal with difficult people? We have a choice. We get to choose what Jesus chose to rise above it. Notice, I love what Isaiah says, one of my favorite verses. Helps me to think in big picture perspective. Like, am I going to run at this level or am I going to rise above it? This is a great way to look at this. Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 31 says this, but those who wait upon the Lord, first part of that, like, hey, pause in the midst of your mess, right? Hold on just a moment when the kids are going nuts, when you're mad at this person because what they said to you or they just did to you, wait on the Lord for just a second. Walk back, take a step back. Breathe, kusfraba, kusfraba. If you know what that movie is, you're good. Uh, Take a breath, take a moment, and then wait upon the Lord. As you wait upon the Lord, what He'll do is He'll renew your strength. He'll strengthen you. Pause for a moment, ask for God's help as God renews your strength. Then they shall mount up with wings like eagles. God wants you to rise above it. An old saying, I, I, I laugh that I'm giving this example today, but it's true. You can run with the turkeys or you can fly with the eagles, right? You have a choice. You have a choice. Now, it's not meaning that this gives us permission to be ugly 
or to be rude, to say, hey, forget you, I'm not going to hang with you, I'm going to be... No, no, no. It's, it's we're going to offer love, and we're going to offer grace, but we don't have to get in the midst of that. We don't have to stay in that. We can choose to rise above it and say, I'm not going to let myself get sucked into that and ruin my thinking, my heart, my connection with God. I'm going to rise above it. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love that person. And I'm going to be gracious and kind in the process. Rise above it. Number four is this. Never retaliate. The choice you have to make in advance. The choice we have to constantly make every day because this one is probably the hardest for us. This one's a hard one. Notice what Peter says in Peter 3.9. It says, do not repay evil for evil. Don't, re- don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Can I just say, do you know how hard this is? I mean, this is hard. Don't you feel like when someone hurts you and says something, do you just want to like even the odds and say something back that feels good to reply back with? Anybody like that? I mean, there's just something in us that we want to we protect this. I'm going to protect this. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. It makes me feel good. I feel protected. Right? There's something in us relationally when someone hurts us, insults us, makes us mad that we want to even the feel, but it's ultimately an act of protecting ourselves. Scripture says instead, and I love this, I'm asking the question like, why why the add-on here? The first part of that is hard enough. But here's, here's the extra part. Instead of doing any retaliation, pay them back with what? Pay them back with a blessing. Yeah, some of you guys are thinking, I'll pay them back all right. I'm going to show them what's up, right? You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. No, no, no. Pay them back with a blessing, Scripture says. And the only way we ever have any hope of living our lives like that, where we're not retaliating, but then beyond that, serving and loving and being generous and being kind and giving grace and giving forgiveness, if we are spending time with God and saying, God, I cannot do this apart from you. I need your help. There's no way possible. There's no way possible to live our lives separated from God and to be equipped to have quality relationships. It cannot happen. cannot happen. So, never retaliate. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and He will grant you I love this. It's not my words. And He will grant you this blessing. God wants to grant us and help us, give us the ability to love and bless others. That's what God wants to do. That's when we spend time with God, God equips us and helps us to be able to do that. So, realize you can't please everyone. Refuse to play the game. Rise above it. Never retaliate. And then here's the fifth thing. We've got to release them. We've got we to let it go. We've got to let it go. Anybody, anybody ever seen the movie Frozen? Should we, should we attempt to sing that right now? No. no. Just let it go. Okay. Just let that thought go. Let it go. Okay, let it go. All right. We've got to release them. Matthew 5.44 says this. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do you know how to let something go? You pray for it. You pray for them. When someone hurts you, when someone offends you, when you want to hurt them back, 
the very first thing we've got to do is take a step back and pray for them. When you pray for someone, prayer does two things. Number one, it helps you to see them the way God sees them. When you start praying for the person who's offended you, the person who's hurt you, the person who's betrayed you, as you start praying for them, it takes time. I know there, there's, there's, there's levels and layers. There's a whole lot of peeling that goes on when it comes to betrayal and some real hurt. I get it. But if you will pray for them, I've got people that I pr- I've been praying for them every time I see them for years because I have to, because I'm wounded, because, I, because they've hurt me in a certain way. They've been, been betrayed. So you have to pray for them. As you pray for them, you begin to see them the way God sees them. How does God see them? His creation. He gave His life for them. He laid down His life for them. He, he forgave them when they did not deserve it. And what does that help me do? It helps me then, number two, to realize the grace that I've been given. When I pray for somebody, it helps me to see them the way God sees them. Then it helps me to realize the grace that I've been given. And I go, okay, God, I should quit holding them to, this, to a standard that you no longer hold me at any longer. I need to give them grace because you've given me grace. And that's, that is huge. So, never retaliate, but release them. And the way we release people is by praying for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. question is, who are you praying for right now that has hurt you? Or who are you nursing and cursing in your mind and role-playing over and over and over right now? I would just encourage you today, Drop the nurse, drop the curse, go straight for the prayer. Start praying for them because it's going to ruin you if you don't. Here's the last one. Oh, I've got I to tell you an example. All right, so I remember years and years and years ago, I was at a McDonald's. I know you're thinking, this is fresh market. But I was at a McDonald's, okay? So I'm at McDonald's. They're going to show up and get me like, Three Big Macs, a couple fries. I don't. I forget. I was hungry. I was really hungry. By myself. I'm in a line. You've probably had this happen where you, you see things are going a little slow and you start to get a little like, I wish they'd speed things up. But then there's always some jerk in front of you that's really being a jerk. And so you, 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 you all of a sudden I'm like, what a jerk that guy is. And then you forget about you were about to be a jerk, but this guy's really being a jerk, and that's probably a good thing. So I'm in there. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm about to, like, start like getting, getting start to get frustrated that I'm wanting to move through the line quicker and get my food. And then this guy in the front, an older guy, just starts getting really ugly with the, the lady taking the order. He's, I, I hear him, and everyone around us hears this guy starting to, to, to ramp up the emotion of frustration. You can feel the tension in the room. You ever been in a McDonald's or some fast food place where somebody's getting mad and everybody knows it? This guy, he's starting to say stuff. He's starting to, you know, just really be ugly. I mean, like, ugly, ugly. Like, rude. Now it's escalated, and I find myself, like, wishing ill on this guy. Right? Here I am, pastor of church, and I'm thinking, man, I hope he gets the worst fries that's ever. I mean, I hope his burger, I hope they leave the ketchup off. I hope there's no mustard. I hope there's no pickles. I hope he goes home and there's no cheese and it's ice cold. 
And I'm, I'm getting mad at this guy. I'm thinking, what an idiot. Be nice. And I was just almost there myself, right? Like, what a jerk, right? What a, so ugly. So finally, he's been rude to everyone, right? And he's mouthing off to the people around you, around him. He's trying to get us on his side. And I'm going like, no, I ain't going with you, bro. Mm-mm. You can be bad on yourself. These people are nice. They're all nice, right? And now I'm like, like uber patient, right? Because this guy's being an idiot. So he finally gets his food. He snatches his food. He stomps outside. He's mad. You can see him open his bag up. And he's like, ah, ah. He walks back inside. He's like, there's no ketchup up in here. You And he's just like yelling at him. And he's like, he takes a big breath. And he like grasps his heart. And I'm thinking, we're about to have a joker die. He's about to die up in McDonald's. And I'm thinking, I'm, making, I'm, I'm not helping him. Somebody else can give him mouth to mouth. Okay, so... So he's, he's cool, it's all good, he gets his stuff, he goes outside, I get my food, and I'm, I'm like apologizing, I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry, you know, I'm, I, I, you, you guys have done a phenomenal job, and I'm just, bless you, love you, Pastor Jess, my name, and I'm just, you know, being like, whatever, just, I'm just being as kind as I can be, because this guy's just been a jerk, so I walk outside, and I'm like, what an idiot, and I walk outside, and this is what I see, I see this old guy in the most broke, down pickup truck with eight starving kids who I know someone didn't drop them off to him. He's providing this old guy for all these kids. And my heart breaks and I think, what a jerk I am for judging that guy. I have no idea what's what's his world's like. But they look as broke and as broke down and as messed up his situation as I could be, that I could see right now. And now I know why he's, he's been the way he's been. And here's the thing. Matthew says this. Matthew says, release them. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Ephesians says this. Instead, instead, be kind to each other. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another just as God has forgiven you. Sixth point today is live redemptively. See, we're, we're going to walk through life we're going to walk through and we're going to have people that come our way, that hurt us, that act like jerks. And what Scripture tells us, what God tells us, listen, you have a choice to be like that or to pray for that and to help that. And here's my hope. My hope is this season, you and I would realize the grace, the forgiveness and the love and the sacrifice that's been paid for us. And that we would, through our strength that we get from Christ, we could pass on to those around us. And when you're at McDonald's, when you're at Chick-fil-A, when you're on the road, when you're at home, and your kids or your wife or your husband, let it go. Release it. Live redemptively. Listen. We should be living with the end in mind because we have no idea when the end will come. But we do know this. That the reason we can, we can live in love is because if you're a Christ follower, we get to know. We get to know, even in this Christmas season, as it gets crazy and the Christmas with the cranks are out, that we have a Savior that's coming back for us one day. He's coming back for us. Man, I can, I can work through anything, right? I can, I, can, I can let it go. 
I can release it. I can, I, can, I can pray for that person. Why? Because I've got someone who loves me no matter what. Because I've got someone who's coming back for me, who forgave me, who gives me grace not once but constantly. So I can be assured as he's coming back for me that I get to spend eternity with him because he loved me. He gave me grace. And because of that, man, doesn't that open the door for us to have perspective, to let it go, to love somebody through their complication, to love somebody through their difficulty, to love yourself? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bad. I'm pretty brutal on me sometimes. Anybody like that? I mean, right now you're like, yeah, I'm all those jerks, right? I wish I was all of that. Hey, let it go. God loves you. You can love yourself too. It's not a, it's not a feel good about yourself message. This is a feel good about God message, right? It's not about how good I am. It's all about how good he is. Man, God loves us. And because he loved us that much, we should feel loved. We should be loved. And we should, we should pass that on. Give somebody love today. Give somebody grace today. Why? Because that's what he gave to you. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we just pause for this moment. We say thanks. Thanks for loving us so well. God, thanks for loving us so unconditionally. God, thank you for loving us when we are completely unlovely. And Lord, we just, we pause for a moment and we say, God, as we receive that this morning from you, God, would you help us in the next few days, the next few moments, the next few experiences when, we're in, when we encounter that moment, that situation, God, would you help us to live like you would live, help us to see people how you see them, and God, help us to respond in the way you'd call us to respond. Thank you, God. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, as we exit this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to close out with a song and an offering, and uh, I just want to say to you, as Christy shared, we are, we are concluding the next few weeks with a Christmas offering. Some of you guys have thought about this. You, some of you prepared for it. Some of you guys are like, uh, what? Um, let me just say this. Every year we try to take a, a special offering and give something greater than we give anyone else uh, to Christ. And what we always do at the end of the year is we try to use this to rev up our church engines. So we can do more ministry, greater ministry, larger ministry, and just, just fuel the fire both as we end the year and into the new year. So I, I don't want you to feel guilted at all. Some of you guys are guests today, man. Just be our guests. In fact, if a bucket comes around and there's a cash item in it that, that is your need, we say this all the time, you take that. That's our gift for your need today, okay? But for many of us today, it's our chance to say, God, I trust you with my stuff. I'd like to fuel the fire. I'd love to lock, lock arms and, and charge the hill with a church. That's serving God, and that's, that's what we are around here. So I encourage you, uh, we're taking offering. Most of you probably give online these days. A lot of our church family gives online. There's multiple ways to give. Um, let's, let's rev the engines this, this year. Let's, let's go on all in and see what we can do for God through our generosity. We pray for this offering. Uh, many of you will give today or the next few days or the next weeks. I pray God would bless you as you do that this year. God, we love you. Thank you for your generosity to us, and I pray that our generosity would change the world around us. God, use our stuff, use, use our resources, use our lives, use everything you've blessed us with, God. 
for your glory and for someone else's forever. In your name I pray, amen.